invite you to turn with me to the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, where we'll be looking at three verses this morning for our communion meditation. We're going to be in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, and I will read those verses in a few minutes. For Advent this year, we're going to be focusing on the four names of the king who was born to save God's people. These names are found in the ninth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah wrote this eight centuries before the birth of Christ, and it was written for his own context, most probably to celebrate a royal prince born in Jerusalem. And to remind the Israelites a Messiah was coming to establish his kingdom. Here is a piece of the text from that passage in Isaiah 9. For a son has been born for us. I'm sorry. Let me start over. For a child has been born for us. A son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it. With justice and with righteousness, from this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, earlier in this chapter in Isaiah 9, we read that the people walked in darkness. And Isaiah says to them, but a great light is dawning. With the coming, with the advent of the king, God has brought joy and lifted up the yoke of their burden. He says he's going to break the rod of their oppressor and their days of war will be over. Now, a new leader usually brings a fresh start. And citizens want to believe that there is going to be a new vision and a fulfillment of everything that has been promised. Israel has been living in the darkness of the Assyrian Empire. And these words would have given them hope that a new king would free them forever. While this prophecy was not written only about Jesus, our Messiah completely fulfills these prophetic words. He is the child born for us. He is the son given who embodied the truth of God. So in the four Sundays of Advent, we are going to be focusing on the names Isaiah wrote about. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As a way of understanding what scripture says about the Savior who arrives to bring salvation. And as a way of intentionally readying our hearts for the miracle of Christmas. Each week we will learn about the meaning of the name and focus on a scripture which speaks about how Jesus lives up to that name. Beginning on Christmas Eve, we'll pivot to focus on what Jesus says about himself. So today, we want to briefly think about what it means that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. These words, of course, have been immortalized in the work by Frederick Handel, and some of you may be singing them in your mind right now. Now, when Handel wrote them, he actually used a comma to separate the words wonderful and counselor, making it seem as though there are two thoughts. But really, wonderful counselor is meant to be together in one idea. 
Someone may say, I go to therapy and I have a wonderful counselor. But that is not what this means. Wonderful means beyond all comprehension or human understanding. Counselor refers to governance. The capacity to administer and plan and carry out policy with great wisdom. This term, wonderful counselor, tells the kind of character that the king will have. Jesus is the God who comes to live as a human among those who created. He planned this. He came with intentionality and purpose. He wanted to accomplish something which could not happen another way. To give his subjects true power to overcome brokenness and grief and evil and darkness in our world. As we consider what it means that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, we turn to the passage in Hebrews 4, starting at verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, these verses in Hebrews form a pivotal idea in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the Son of God, and faith in him is important because sin is so prevalent in the world. And Christ as our high priest is a theme that is found throughout this book, especially from here on through. So that these verses, these three verses communicate the overall message of what the author is trying to say. Now, in this chapter, the author, who is not named, we do not know who they are, continues the discussion about the history of God's people who failed him in their disobedience. And the writer is trying to give a contrast between how we as people cannot ever maintain a consistent life with God on our own, but how Jesus, who came to be our high priest, can. He's the only one who did. Right before this passage, the author talks about how God's word is like a knife and how it cuts through everything to get to the core of who we are. The truth of God is meant to open us up to be receptive to all God wants to say to us. The text today alternates between exposition and exhortation. Two seminary words, better known as teaching and preaching. So the writer starts with what is true and then tells us what we should do about it. So that's how we're going to look at this. So consider the first teaching. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Now hear the preaching. Since that is true, let us hold fast to our confession of him. Now, this is not a mystical teaching that Jesus has passed through the heavens. We have a high priest who intentionally comes to live with us, who purposes to come to be one of us. Jesus, the promised Messiah, the one Isaiah wrote about. 
In his coming, in his coming, he doesn't sit far away, simply telling us what to do. No, he comes to heal our diseases, to live among us, to care for us, to teach us directly, to provide a way to give us true life until he comes again. Because we have a God, one who came from far, we hold fast to our confession of him. We confess Jesus as Lord. We say, however incomprehensible it is to our human mind, that he is savior of the world. We declare that he came as a baby, born as a virgin to live in a manger, even though that doesn't make sense. We assert that Jesus was fully divine and fully human, even though that's a mystery that we can't fully explain. We, prom- we pronounce that he is the one who was promised, the son who came to die for our sins, even though we can't really explain to others how that works. What we can tell them is the burden we had, the shame we felt, the guilt we carried is gone. That we live every day with a Savior who calls us by name. That we have his spirit inside of us. It's incomprehensible. We can't explain it, but we believe with all of our hearts that it's true because we have experienced him. You see, this was Jesus' plan. That he set in place at just the right time. And in his coming, he brings stability and peace to our hearts and thus to our world. He brings dignity to the ones who are brought low in this life. He administers justice to those who are unfairly treated. He is the wonderful counselor. Now, consider the second teaching. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but have one who in every way has been tested as we are, yet without sin. And the preaching. So let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. A commentator I read this week had a good thought. He said, among the ancient moral writers, it was known that virtue was proved when someone was tested. A hero would be made because of their amazing feats of bravery or conquest. Think Achilles or Hercules. But what was way less common was for the end result of that testing to be selfless compassion for others. That is why Jesus does not look like a hero to some. He does not look like the king that people wanted. But he is exactly what we need. Jesus was tested in every way and yet does not fail. He meets us in our weakness, giving us strength in our time of need. Weakness here means sickness or propensity to fail, physical disease, moral failure, repeated bad choices. Jesus understands our weaknesses, our frailty, because he shared human life in common with us. He always knows what we are going through. He always knows what we should do. So much in life, we just want to be understood for who we are and loved above all. 
To have this is to have a true gift that we can barely understand. While Jesus experienced life as we do, he chose not to give in to any temptation. So that he helps us now with his strength and wisdom. He is our wonderful counselor. The word high priest is interesting. We need to think about that. Because Jesus is unlike any priest known in human history. He cares truly about his people. He understands our frailty and offers grace. It's a revolutionary way to describe a high priest, even in biblical standards, whose role was to offer sacrifice and preside over the community of faith. Being a caring shepherd wasn't always part of the profile. But here is Jesus meeting us where we are, offering mercy, helping us get through to what it is that he needs us to get to in our time of need, meeting us, sitting with us in our pain, just allowing us to mourn and to grieve, just letting us be who we are. We can approach his throne with confidence and boldness because he is a king who is concerned for us. He doesn't hold out his golden scepter. He holds out his nail-scarred hand with a love that we can barely take in. We don't just approach once, but it's constant. He wants us to come always. Confidence here means bold frankness. It means that we come with the familiarity of always being welcome. There are no strangers. No one is turned away. What a relief to have a king who's going to take care of us, who understands us, who takes our burdens. In Isaiah, God is praised for sending a new human king who is expected to devise plans and policies for the benefit of the entire realm. By the time of Hebrews, we know, of course, that none of those kings really can do what everyone needs them to do or expects them to do. By the time of Hebrews, we know that we have a high priest who is enthroned as the almighty eternal king, who welcomes those who come to him for mercy. He understands because he became poor for our sake. Today we're going to do just as the writer of Hebrews does. We're going to confess Jesus as Lord in our liturgy, and then we're going to approach the throne of grace. We come before Jesus, our wonderful counselor, the one who makes it possible for us to know more and more and more of his grace and mercy every day. There is no end of what God has planned for those who trust him. So let us come this morning with bold confidence. Let us not approach the communion table with apathy or with pride or as if we don't belong here. Let us approach the king who gave all to make us part of his family. Let us approach as those who are lavishly loved and welcomed as his own. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.